1: If you went on
2: a road trip and you didn't stop for a big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't the road trip. It was just a
3: really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. at participating McDonald's.
4: At IKEA, your dream home is a blue bag away. No matter the size of your space or
2: budget, we've got everything you need to turn your dreams into reality. And now with new lower prices on hundreds of our most popular products, bringing the dream home is even easier like the Gray Strandom Wing Chair, was $369, now $299. And the IKEA Plus 365 9-piece cookware set was $129.99, now $89.99. And hundreds more. Shop new lower prices at ikea-usa.com today.
3: Hello, and welcome to the BBC Country Farm Magazine podcast. A gentle, weekly escape into nature and in the countryside from BBC Country Farm Magazine. welcome to the seventh episode of our new season devoted entirely to the wonders of water. My name is Virgus Collins and I'm the host of the podcast. This time, I'm going to leave you in the company of a veritable water sprite, a man with an unquenchable passion for rivers and their wildlife, that is angler and writer Andrew Griffiths. Early last summer, he recorded this delightful meandering walk along his local waterways on the Derbyshire-Cheshire border, meeting wildlife and wild people all along the way. Over to you, Andrew.
2: Hello. it's Andrew Griffiths here. And welcome to my latest Countryfile podcast. Or as they've become known, Plodcasts, which I think is a rather splendid title for them. And usually my, my podcasts are usually just interview-based, but today I'm actually going to be doing some plodding, if I can just make way for the bikes... Here we go. You all right? There's a whole flotilla. Can you have a flotilla of bikes? A towpath full of bikes. You all right? Cheers, Oh pal, pal. yeah. And they're all just struggling to go under a low canal bridge there. What was I saying? Podcasts. Yes, today a podcast is aptly titled, as I go under the bridge now, because I'm going to take you on a bit of a plod with me and it's round my hometown of New Mills. All right it's a small town New Mills and it's just on the Derbyshire side of the Derbyshire Cheshire border and I'm at the moment I'm walking along the peat forest canal and I'm just going to go a short walk along the canal and then we're going to drop down I'm going to drop down to the river and then Gonna walk back into the town of New Mills itself, and we're gonna meet a few people on the way. And I'm just watching a mallard over there, female mallard with two ducklings, I'm just going behind a hogweed in the canal bankside. She's growing out from between the ferns, and we're now getting close to the marina in New Mills, which I can now see. So it's, the canal has broadened out, and the barges are moored at right angles to me and where there's a marina shop. And in the background is the famous Swizzles, the sweet factory, which if you've ever visited this area, you will know what they're actually cooking up that day, which will take you back to your childhood probably, whether it's Refresher Chews or Palmer Violet. And it stands there in New mills like the Taj Mahal. Things should be getting noticeably quieter now. Because we're leaving civilization behind, so as much as you can call a marina at New Mills civilization, of course. And we're leaving the town behind. I'm heading towards the River Goit now. And it's the River Goit that I'm going to take you along. Now, the River Goit is its my favourite river in the sense that it's my home river. And it's what we call a, a post-industrial river, in the sense that it was once very polluted with all the local cotton industry and bleaching industry that was in new mills and it it ran extremely polluted and as I'll tell you later that there was at one stage it's only 30-40 years ago there was virtually no life in it at all but now it's where I do my trout fishing and grayling fishing and it rises uh, at axe-edge moor which is above Buxton and it comes down through the Goyt Valley And it flows down, and it flows down ultimately uh, to join the tame at Stockport uh, which combine to form the Upper Mersey and then ultimately out to sea at Liverpool. That's the journey. And we're just going to do a very short section of it today. But it'll just give you some idea of that combination of how nature has taken back the river. And yet, also there's so many remnants of that industrial past, it's absolutely fascinating. We're we'll passing some barges that are moored up and I'm just looking at a moorhen now which is just scrambling up some branches out of the canal. <laughs> You're just scrambling about them on the other side of the canal and it's just coming, coming towards me. But they have those most enormous green feet and you would think that somewhere along the line they would have evolved webbing, because it just looks such hard work, with that mechanical bobbing backwards and forwards as they go, but they are a lovely bird though. And I'm just seeing a canal barge now that has really looks like there's a hardcore canal dweller living in there, and they've partitioned off part of the woods next to the canal, and they've got all the washing hanging up, and they've got bikes strapped to it. And there's nothing <laughs> quaint or twee about this barge. It looks like it really means a business. Oh, and a camp with a pirate flag as well. Splendid. Hi. Hello. Well, this is approaching journey's end for me on the canal bit of this now, which I'm quite sorry about. I forget sometimes. How much I enjoy walking along canals. So I'm going to turn off the canal now at this bridge and head off down towards the river. So here I am on the bridge now and they do say about anglers that no angler can cross a river without leaning over and looking in and I think there's a lot of truth in that and that's what I'm doing right now. I'm looking down through that kind of peat-stained water basically to see if I can see any trout. At the moment I can't but I did see one rise a minute ago just down there but I mustn't get distracted. I don't think it's just anglers. I think it's everybody is intrigued by rivers but I think I think two things, I feel two things absolutely passionately about rivers. The first thing that I feel is that most people who who just, they see a river and they just see it in two dimensional forms, they see a flat surface uh, and I don't think they really have an understanding or, or any comprehension of what is actually going on beneath that surface and it's absolutely fascinating. The other thing that I think that I feel passionately about is that we shouldn't look at rivers in isolation as something separate from the land around them. It's all part of the same thing. It's all part of the same ecosystem. And we should see it as a part of that landscape, not as something separate. I'm going to be talking to a good angling friend of mine called John Paulding. And he's going to be the first person I meet. Somewhere along here, I will bump into him. That's as close as gets to an arrangement with anglers.
5: showing Oh, nice! caddy scrub. fishing. He
2: does it all the time at home with anything. When I spotted John, he was giving an impromptu river biology lesson to two small children and their mum. I wasn't actually planning to do any fishing today, but. Well. Seeing John fishing like that has just wet my appetite. I'm afraid as uh, I believe Mr. Wilde once said that he could resist anything but temptation. So I'm off to tackle up When I first met John, I was writing a fishing feature for a magazine called "The Field." Uh, it's a very traditional magazine, and when I, when I first met him, John was dressed all in tweed. He had tweed hat, tweed waistcoat, britches, the works. He looked just like a Scottish ghillie. At first I thought he was he was taking the mickey out of the magazine because it is a very traditional magazine, but he actually wasn't. That is how he dressed at the time when he was fishing these rivers. These days he's gravitated more to ex-military East European stuff, uh, blended with the tweed. It's a kind of a, a mix between a, a Scottish ghillie and a... East European mercenary, uh, Cold War chic, he calls it. I rather like that, Cold War chic. We fish very differently, me and John. I tend to be a very traditional fly fisher. I fish dry flies on short bamboo rods. Uh, Whereas John fishes big two-handed rods and uh, big flies. I said he fishes for all the world like he's fishing for salmon and there's a very good reason for that. He is. John wants to catch the first salmon out of the River Goit since the industrial period and they are in there. We just know it. It was time to take a break with some of my legendary cheese and Branston pickle sandwiches while John told me about his obsession to catch that goit salmon.
4: Ah,
5: sheer curiosity to see what's in... to
2: catch the Mersey salmon?
5: Yes, well very specifically I'd like to catch a river goit salmon.
2: Oh right, okay.
5: um, Which is the Mersey River system. Uh, I've been trying for about 12 years. Um, No salmon as yet, but keep catching large trout and sea trout instead. It's like them. it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack with everything against you because you need higher water conditions, the right time of year, the sun and the stars to be aligned. <laughs> and then if you've got all those three, three things, it's probably not interested in your fly anyway. <laughs> it's it's almost literally being able to put one past its nose where it's just resting and it's just being, you know, that... that being in the right it's being in the right place at the
2: right time and what what's what's behind it why why is it really it seems such an ambition with you such a driving force i think
5: cuz i've put so much time and effort into now I, I just can't stop and i i just enjoy it so much um, and it it fascinates me that they're here but it also fascinates me that we don't really see them i've never, never seen one jump um, Possibly once out of the corner of my eye. Uh, you don't see them rolling and splashing like you do in Scotland. Uh, you, it's almost like they're not here. You don't see them. Like a myth, you're them a it, it is stone. almost a myth. It is, it is almost a myth. And there are lots of urban myths and urban realities of people who have caught salmon on other parts of the river. And I've seen photos. In this river. And in, in this river. Yeah. Um, and other unlikely rivers in this system. Uh, they are there. But it is, yeah. It's kind of a cross between an urban myth and uh, finding a needle in a haystack.
2: <laughs> I think. I mean, would it be fair to say that, that that certainly, with my fishing, the kind of fishing that I tend to do, I catch more fish than you.
5: Oh, far more.
2: But when you catch fish, you really do catch fish. You catch these big 24-inch-plus fish, and I mean. But you, I mean, you put the time in, don't you? I mean, just, just tell it's me how long
5: you... It's hundreds and hundreds of hours. I mean, a typical
2: day, tell me a typical day. A typical
5: day in the summer for me, I would probably start about 12 lunchtime and I might finish at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning.
2: That's a long shift. That's a long day. And not always catching?
5: Not all. I, I can go six weeks, two months without having a touch. Um, and certainly low water conditions like this... I'm more than, you know, you lower your expectations. I'm more than happy for that fish that had a little bit of a nibble at my fly there. You know, I'm almost quite happy with that because the conditions are so against you. But as we discussed earlier- It's uh, that quest. It's partly that quest, but as as much as of of that, I enjoy the nature and everything around you. And you see far more being in the river. Um, I mean, we're looking at an old stone wall where the river's been diverted historically. And you look at the time and effort that somebody's gone into in 1700 or something to build that
2: mm. yeah it is it's fascinating that, that's, uh, I mean it's a cliche but there's more to fishing than the fish isn't there I think that's something that I've learned and I think a lot of people learned over the lockdown period is that of course we, we, we couldn't fish and you start to realize quite what a central part it can play in your lives would, would you agree yes, with
5: I'd, that? Yes I definitely agree with that it drove me around the bend um, you know, I'm, I missed the fishing, but I missed everything else. I, I missed keeping an eye on the river and seeing the nature and all of those, it's all of those things. Um, if I could go to a piece of river where I could just pull fish out, huge salmon out, one after the other, I, mean, would I probably easy, wouldn't
2: enjoy it. It would be easier rivers to fish. I mean, it's fair to say, even within travelling distances, there's easier rivers to fish, but we still come here.
5: Yes, it's it's an interesting mixture of... Urban industrial landscape that's been created by man. Um, you know, historically quite abused. But there's some magnificent architecture if you look, particularly around and actually at the sides of the rivers with all yeah. the old leats and the you know tunnels that you go goodness knows where. But it's the the way nature's clawed itself back. Um yeah. you know, we've seen kingfishers down here on a regular basis.
2: Ooh. I rarely don't. Yes. Actually when I'm yeah. fishing. Kingfishers, dippers, wagtails. Rarely don't see those. I know exactly what you mean, John. I feel exactly the same. There's a great satisfaction out of pulling a trout out of these what are human relics of human activity, the industrial yes. past. Yes. And then you're there. It makes for treacherous wading. You're swearing mm. at it half the yes. time because you're breaking your neck almost. Yes. With all the rocks, the, the yes. building materials have fallen into the river. Yes.
5: And every, every season it changes slightly. With, um, with the, the Tobruk Reservoir, it's changed massively. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you've almost got to relearn the river. Yeah. each season to a, a greater or lesser degree, I mean there's places last, that I regularly caught big fish from two years ago and I've never had anything out of them the last two years, yeah. the last year. Um, I've lost two big ones so far this season, both in places that I wouldn't necessarily have expected, Um one certainly.
2: Yeah. I like you were just saying before it, you really appreciate the changes to the seasons. Yes. But it's, uh... I
5: think that's that's something with spending an awful lot of time regularly on the river. You notice all the very very small changes. You know, the, yeah. you notice the seasons turning. Um, you know, when the hawthorn comes out, when the first wild garlic comes out. It's all of those little things, yeah. um, not just the fishing. And the is a major part of it, but it's it's the setting. It's just wonderful.
2: The field's opening out now, and there's some lime trees dotted around, and uh, the river's on my right. And in the long grass, there's hogweed and the lilac flowers of some honesty, and some red campion. And there's a little pond here on my left, so I'm just going to go in and have a look at that and it is an absolute cliche pond big lily pads on it and the lily flowers are just at their finest i think and there's a moorhen at the moment just striding up and quite sinking in and then coming out oh it's having a run they're the most they're most beautifully ungainly creatures i just think they're wonderful the last time i came here it was actually full of tadpoles but i'm not going to go down now because there are people there we should walk on oh there we go Right down at the water's edge now. It's looking upstream. Oh, it's a lovely cool draft coming off. It's a warm day. It's getting humid. We've got a thunder forecast. I can believe it. It's cool air just coming off the river. I don't know whether it's the ozone. I don't know what it is, but there's a the smell of these things and it just... It's the smell of life. Oh, I have got a jo- dog joining me now. It's a big daffy retriever looking, carrying a red ball. <laughs> your dog lying down in there. <laughs> I, hey, she's gonna lose that ball.
0: Yeah,
2: I know. I usually fish him out when I'm fishing down there. You know, that's what <laughs> it is.
0: Get your ball, puppy. Puppy, get your ball. This has been my salvation during this lockdown. The river. Really? Yeah, yeah. You live locally? No, I live uh, in Davenport. I'm
2: recording you. you okay? That's all right, yeah. You live in Davenport? Well So you've driven out here?
0: Yes. I've been doing this. Why
2: here?
0: I found it by by fluke. Drove and I saw the brown sign. Really it's been my salvation. It's not my dog, it's my friend's dog. my bit of heaven for uh, every day where I come Mm. and I, normally I've got my phone with me I take lots of photographs Mm -hmm. and I post those on Facebook and I see different things as the seasons are developing yeah. and if I take a walk the opposite way to normally then I see something else that I didn't really notice before. Yes. So your eyes become very aware of the changes going on They're and doing. it's fascinating. It is, yeah. isn't it? it yes. Is. Now, I have a nursery for the under fives so and I'm always ch- uh, testing my kids to do more and see more than uh, the norm. So uh, in uh, early years education, you have a formula that you have to follow but I always think outside the box of different yeah, things the kids can do. Yeah. So we have a water project that's going out in Ghana. We've uh, provided water for over 25,000 people last year. Oh, that's Sustainable brilliant. fresh clean right, water. That's brilliant. We have a nature garden at the front of the nursery. and Wait, I Where's want, your nursery? It's in the grounds of Wimsall High School. All oh, right, right, yeah. Yeah, and I want a, a pond there for the children, you know, a big tray. My neighbours have a pond, so I thought I could scoop something out of that and put that and they could see. All that's all the, uh, actually living inside that bit of water.
2: Just walking upstream now towards New Mills train station, and there's a tangle of bramble growth in the bankside and ferns. And as John alluded to, the tumbled down walls of past efforts to channel the river. And it's in those tumble-down walls and amidst those alder roots where the big fish that John's fishing for are hiding out. I'm just waiting the chance. I'm just looking at the tortoiseshell butterfly there. I'm at the beginning of the Millennium Bridge now which is the entrance into the Tours proper or the Riverside Park. And the Millennium Bridge, it clings like a steel snake to the side of the railway embankment that towers above it. And then there is a river which is fast flowing here and it's just below the Weir. And the Weir was originally there for the benefit of Torvale Mill, which is just opposite the Millennium Bridge. And the mill was originally built in the 1780s it was and it is the longest continuous period of cotton production in the UK. And it didn't actually close finally until the year 2000. But the Millennium Bridge is quite a spectacular structure and I'm walking along it now. And it's got this gleaming steel handrail. It's just a footbridge, just a few feet wide. And I'm looking across at the mill itself. You'll be able to hear the restoration work that's going on at the mill, that's in progress at the moment. But the architecture is, is, is fascinating. I'm standing above a weir now, and it's one of those longer weirs that comes slopes down at about 45 degrees. And next to it, there's a, a mill leat and which it was originally was powered by two water wheels. And then in, I think it was 1850s, that they added a steam engine and it didn't actually get powered by new-fangled technology like electricity until the 1940s. Well, there's all sorts of theories now. Of course, we're talking about salmon returning to the river and we're talking about the Millennium Bridge that I'm now standing on. Somebody has a theory that it would be a great viewing platform to watch the salmon in the autumn climbing this weir. And I'm standing right over the weir now. And I'm looking down at where the leet comes back into the river and there's a small pool formed. And that's a favourite hunting ground of our local heron that likes to stand there. And I think it's perhaps, wait, I do sometimes wonder if it's catching fish that come over the weir that are actually stunned momentarily, and then it takes its chance when it hits the pool and takes the fish. It's a funny place, New Mills. It's like a town stacked on top of itself. I'm walking into the Riverside Park proper now. And it's a fascinating place because all the the mill buildings, it's like John was saying, John the Angler earlier, it's like nature taking it back. but just enough left to see to be interesting. And of course it's one of the things that, I see this as an angler for most of my time is spent walking up the river rather than by the side of the river, if you like, when I'm fishing. And I see a lot of this, the remains of these buildings which have fallen into the river. And it's one of the things that makes it so treacherous to wade as an angler. And yet makes it so absolutely fascinating because we're now catching wild trout that that, that are living amongst these. It's, It's become habitat for wildlife. I'm standing at the main weir now in the Tours, which is at Tor Mill. There's not a great deal left of the mill now, as after it had a succession of fires, and the last one being at the, uh, just near the beginning of the last century, when, uh, which finally did for it. But it has left these ruins, and beside the weir there is what is New Mill's, one of its most famous modern attractions, which is a hydroelectric power unit, which is a reverse Archimedes screw and it was one of the first that was installed in the UK in in 2008. It's interesting when you look into the history of these things and you you look at the fortunes of these mills and it's worth noting that the the big storms that we're getting now and the, the, the big waters, the big high waters coming down the rivers, they're not unique events. Uh, there was the great storm of 1872, which washed away a whole mill and a, a series of buildings and two weirs. But the only casualty then, were two cows. I've taken a slight detour up a tributary of the river Goit now. Uh, the River set. Just about a quarter of a mile and it's to the Salem mill, which is actually where the story of the town began, where the first corn mill was built in. I think it was the 1390s. And things have got altogether wilder. I'm here to meet Amy Roberts and her three-year-old daughter, Ivy. Amy's a town councillor And I first met her last year when I organised a bit of a meeting down here with her and a few of the other councillors. I was showing them round the river. Today, I wanted to bring her back and show her how the big storms that we'd had last year have changed the flow of the river. And then we were going to do some kick sampling. I took Amy back to the spot I'd shown her last year. Wait, wait, wait,
5: wait, 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 wait,
2: stop her, stop her, stop her. Oh, there, 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 there. Do you see? Look at them all shooting. Do you see? The trout there. Did you see them go? Oh, they've gone now. That's the spot. If you come down here... Did you see them? Did you, you see them, way, them Amy? Yeah. If you come down here, that's the spot there. Mm. Now this, I was about to say, I was really chuffed about this because... You know it's nearly a year since we had that meeting down here. Practically exactly yeah. a year. Yeah. Where did it go?
6: I have absolutely no idea.
2: Yes, it was a year since we came down. And at that time, I'd organised a bit of a meeting, and Amy came down as one of the councillors, and there's a couple of local councillors, and somebody from our local wildlife trust. And we were actually talking, because this river is wonderful, because it has just been left. It is just full of wood, full of trees come down. The tree falls in, it's just left. And we were I saying... And we were talking, we were telling you, weren't we, about how it makes good habitat yeah. if you do that. Yeah. And just after that was the one in a hundred year storm event when Todbrook
0: mm-hmm.
2: happened and the dam wall threatened to breach and we had to evacuate Worthy Bridge Town, if you remember. So really the water was absolutely piling through. And I'm really chuffed to be able to bring you back today. you see that fish surfacing over there then? In that area, damn there because I feel slightly vindicated or very vindicated because the spot where all the wood has gone in the river has created the most superb fish holding habitat and it is full it is stuffed with trout and I call that a result and this is what happens when you just leave things She's nearly in the river. <laughs> I, Ivy. I thought you were in there. <laughs> <laughs> Are you not listening to my very serious talk? Mm, I'm being no. really, really serious here. <laughs> she's clambering down the bank side trying to get it. I think she's trying to follow those trout. Ivy, Ivy,
6: Ivy, look, 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 look. Did you see them? There, go
2: there Did you see it go scooping down the river? Yeah. Did you see those, Ivy? The they're little, they're like tiny. They're only about six inches long, these trout, but they're, they're like... They're like shards of glass yeah. shattering, I always think, when you see them, as soon as you see them. But I tell you, you know, they've got eyes almost on the back, they can almost go... So what's your role on the council then, Amy? Why, why were you down here that, that day? Why, why had you take an interest when I was saying that I wanted to talk about the river and what? Do you
6: know, I really can't remember <laughs> we were quite new councillors at the time, and someone tra- from Transition mentioned that they were going, and someone on the council mentioned that they were going, and
2: so Transition—that's a Transition group that you're a transition part of. New, new Mills,
6: Mills, yeah, yeah, um, which is
2: working to really, work at the better.
6: moment, um, working to make a more resilient community in light of the climate crisis. Yeah. So, uh, once New Mills Town Council had declared the climate emergency with the help of Transition, sort of getting that on the agenda, um, both myself and my husband Sam, who are in Transition and on the town council, just said yes to anything, really, that was finding out more about our local environment, uh, finding out more about the ways community could get involved in looking after the environment. And so somehow, I don't remember who was contacted first, but somehow we ended up as the tag-alongs on
2: you, you, you found, on found the out. Walk. <laughs>
6: <laughs> and it was brilliant. It was absolutely it was, it, brilliant. It
2: was my tour. But it's, yeah, uh, absolutely
6: fascinating. And we, I certainly haven't looked at a river the same way since. <laughs> In fact, I'm about to write a dissertation on rivers because... Um, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> you, you're, you're,
2: you're a teacher by trade and yeah. you're studying for a masters at the moment part-time aren't you what, yeah what, what's that uh
6: so it's a master's in sustainability which right. is hugely varied hugely broad um but we're coming up to the dissertation stage now um and yeah natural flood management is is my dissertation topic which i wouldn't again a year ago i wouldn't have said no, that, so I... <laughs> that's the path i would have gone down With an
2: horrible sense this of responsibility now i hope you pass
6: well i'm a very suggestible person this is the thing somebody says why don't you be a town councillor and i think yeah okay or well, you know yeah. why don't to go for a walk by the river yeah okay and whatever yeah, people man. are passionate about really the is next
2: thing you know you're there
6: what's the most yeah. interesting
2: but it, i think what i really find interesting about your approach is that you've got social science background haven't you yeah, whereas so, my background is kind of all but i mean i love this i mean i've just been into the tours and i like the tours but there is that kind of compromise that has to be made between the history side the industrial archaeology side yeah. and you can't let it go quite i mean I'm, what we're looking at here now i've got this i've got this small <laughs> river that ivy is rearranging the stones in at the moment all these natural storm events that have produced these gravel banks and ivy is just slowly putting them all back in the river which is fine keep going the trees, we're looking at trees falling down, the willow trees mm-hmm. that are overhanging the river. Looking, I mean, it looks, there are a lot of people who would look at this and just think, that looks a complete and utter mess.
6: Yeah. And they would. Yeah, of course. And when you,
2: if, you, if you saw that in the middle of the tours, some people would think, that is just real, that is a real mess.
6: Right. And, and definitely since becoming a councillor, you have to have a real appreciation of balance. Councillor,
2: How did that happen? You're not, you don't, I mean, excuse me, you don't look like a typical, (laughs) I associate with a typical councillor.
6: I know we're not here to be political, but just this idea of if you you want to help things to improve or help things to change, you're going to have to roll up your sleeves at some point on some level and get involved, which really started, we did some third-party campaigning in the 2017 election. We made a lot of friends within the town through that, through being really active. And one of them then suggested, well, perhaps you should get involved with the local council, which is completely apolitical as far as I'm concerned. Um, And yeah, carry on just trying to improve things, especially when you've got children. You do feel the weight of this responsibility to Mm. not necessarily save the world, but to do what you can, um, you know, to to hold your head high in their eyes and say, you know, we've we've tried hard Mm. here to, to make a difference. Um, which sounds really pretentious.
2: <laughs> no, it, it, it was a question I was going to ask you, it doesn't. I mean, I, I, I just, just merely being in, in in Ivy's presence makes me feel similar, and being being serious around does yeah. I start thinking, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, well, and, we're and, at a good. real
6: crunch time yeah, now. Absolutely. as As yeah, a.
2: So it's, it's, I mean, I can't imagine how much more you must feel like if do that actually your own shadow. Yeah. Charter, yeah.
6: Yeah, and you know they give you they give you relentless optimism, relentless hope. But every now and again, you do just have this wide-eyed moment of wow. I'm reminding
1: lots
2: of balsam that the roots wouldn't come out. The roots wouldn't come out. Going to try
3: some of So what we've got here, Ivy, is a big tray. Well, that, build that.
2: And that's got some. It's already got a spider in it. Look, we've got some water out the river in that. We've got a bucket. We've got some water in. And, and, we've that, got
6: and that water is green. In what? That water is green. Green it? colour? Well,
2: that's it's straight green. out of the river. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> She's not gone over. She's I've got the get
6: doesn't
2: matter. she alright? Yeah. So what I'm doing is loosening the stones and I'm moving upstream. I'm just getting into the gravel. And then the fine net will hopefully... Well, that's the plan catch the bugs as they come down. Shall we see what we've got? Oh, I can see something moving. Oh, I think we've caught a caseless caddis. There's some nymphs whizzing around, can
6: you see? Yeah, Ivy, there's quite a lot in here. I saw!
2: <laughs> She's seen you been there, done that. I'm going to get
6: this one back into the water. And you think that one wants to go home? Yeah. Fine. Then. Nymph liberation. Good girl. Don't get your feet wet
2: yeah you're not interested in this one yeah a, that is miracle of nature you're looking no, at there.
6: look a miracle of nature ivy <laughs> I'm not she's interested. like yeah but that one sucks
2: blood <laughs> have you got oh, that, that emerging Oh,
6: okay. what now oh the one that was coming where was it? it's just here
0: gone. It is it It is. there
2: you go <laughs> ivy
6: miracle of miracle of <laughs> <laughs> life what <It is laughs> no <laughs> making me happier it's not making you happy i I like that I
2: just want to look at the leaves. Ivy: It was lovely introducing Ivy to the life of the river. It's a real privilege to do that with children, I think, to show them those first signs of life when they didn't even know there was anything living in there. It's absolutely superb to do and superb to see the reaction to it. And as Amy said, it, it's, it's a responsibility. And you do tend to think about the future, particularly today when there's so much happening. With the climate change and with the pandemic, of course, it's such an uncertain future. But I can't help but think that the more that we introduce kids to to wildlife and the wonders of life, even just right on your own doorstep like this is, this is not in some far away, far flung corner of the world. This is just outside an urban town and there's real wilderness here. And you can't help but think, if we introduce children to this, then going forward, they might look after it for themselves. And we have an obligation to look after it for them, I think. And we should all just think on a bit about that, in my opinion.
3: Well, that was the wonderful Andrew Griffiths giving us the most delightful tour of his local river, the River Goit. Um, And I love the fact that he met all those random people And he also had a few guests along. It all felt so natural. And um, he's really a lovely treasure to have in our podcast team. Talking about podcast teams, I'm joined again. (laughs) Joined again in the podcast studio by Hannah and Jack, who helped me produce and create this podcast. So lovely to see you both again, as ever. We're going to delve into the podcast post bag and we're also going to have a little listen to a wonderful sound of the week. Who would like to kick off with a delve into the postbag?
4: Well, I have this week's long-distance listener of the week, and I think it is a record.
3: Hooray. Hooray.
4: We've had a message from Andrea Rolfe, who's in New Zealand. She just wanted to let us know that she listens to the podcast every morning when she's walking her dog. It creates images of the landscape and is quite absorbing. It's the perfect way to start her day.
3: Lovely fantastic i don't think you can get further away than hamilton in new zealand
1: i think that's our longest distance listener
3: yeah yeah where, where can be longest do you think i suppose antarctica we've got to push for an antarctica if, if if anyone ever listens to the podcast in antarctica in antarctica which is easy for me to say please do get in touch because you'll be the winner but for now andrea is our i think our longest distance listener so thank you andrea and I hope you keep listening.
4: And Andrew, if you want to get in touch again, do please tell us what kind of dog you have.
3: Fantastic. Jack, how about you? Anything in the post bag that raised your eyebrows this month?
1: Well, I uh, fished deep into the bag. We have a letter from Craig Campbell. Craig just wanted to drop us a line. Uh, he said he's been listening to the the podcast and started with the Holy Well episode, which was number 86.
3: That's true. The second episode of this particular series. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so that's where to find it. And by the looks of it, he's a gardener, as he mentions that he was clearing a customer's garden and uh, was listening to the podcast whilst he was doing it. And it really took him away from the job. He says how much he found it so enjoyable and made the job such a pleasure and an ease to finish, which, I mean, that's a compliment in itself. If you can make a clearing twigs fun. (laughs)
3: Excellent. Yeah, he sent us a lovely photo by look of things. And uh, thank you very much, Craig. So that's a little taste of the podcast postbag. Did we get any sounds of the week in?
4: Yes, we did. We've had an intriguing sound sent in to us from Claire Bennett in Coventry. Let's have a listen. is a very familiar noise to most of us across the UK this week. It's the sound of breaking ice and this particular ice was broken by Claire's son Reggie aged 10. So thanks very much Reggie for recording this for us.
1: So if you're feeling inspired by Reggie and you want to send in your sound for sound of the week it can be recorded on a phone whatever's handy to you and uh, use a service such as WeTransfer to uh, send it over to us via the email
3: editor at countryfile.com. Perfect. You know, we love to get them and they're so much fun to listen to. And we'll have more next week. We've got a really special one from very far away. And before we go, we've had a review on Apple podcasts. We have many reviews on Apple podcasts, but this one stood out. It's a three-star review and um, it's quite short. And it's from wooble 123 And wooble 123 says, podcast is great if you live in Somerset. How about the North? And, I get, I mean, obviously quite a few of our podcasts are local to us or local to the people that we can uh, get to record them. So obviously this particular podcast you've just heard is in Derbyshire and we've been up north with Kenneth. Um, During lockdown, it's so frustrating. We just want to get out and explore and see more of the wide world and wonderful nature. So we will be getting out further afield. Bear with us, boobble woobble and everyone else. And we'll try to explore further afield as spring comes along. And that's it for this week. Don't forget to tune in next week where we talk about the folklore of rivers and oceans.
4: And if you need a nature fix before then, listen to Friday's Sound Escapes for five minutes of peace and beauty in the countryside.